for you at this point, you have like a massive business, a massive social media following. Like where are you spending the majority of your time? What are you really trying to grow? Within Valuetainment, there's a consulting business that we run. There's a vault business that we run. There's a podcast business. There's original content series that we're doing, documentary that we're doing. We'll be doing movies as well. Whatever you are incredibly interested in, there's an audience for that. People want to listen to people talk on a topic that can go deep, that they're obsessed about. Mm -hmm. It does not matter what it is. Valuetainment going through its different stages of growth. To me, I look at it and I see you're trying to build this podcast conglomerate of all these people. Are you seeing like that as a big future for social media or where are you seeing? Here's what you have to realize. Even the next two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, the market is always going to be wanting. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Ryan Pineda Show. Today, I have got the guy who wrote one of my favorite books of all time, Your Next Five Moves, none other than Patrick Bed David. What's up, man? Not much, man. It's good to have you. Yeah, I appreciate you letting me come out to your office and everything, man. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yes, we, we picked this up a few months back and we made it by team and fairly quickly, so... It's yeah. Cool. Did you buy it or are you guys are running? No, this? we bought it. We bought this one and we bought another one that's a mile away from here that we're turning into a whole comedy club type of a deal with 200 people in attendance where we're going to be doing live uh, podcasts with a massive LED TV sitting there where different podcasters can host their podcast. It's going to be pretty insane. But that'll be launched probably in the next couple months. Okay. Yeah. No, it's super cool. Like this building, just seeing the downstairs and up here, I mean, you guys got a lot going on. Yes. Did you go to the vault? Did you get No, it? I haven't seen yeah, it yet. We got to take you to the vault. You got to see the bank vault when the podcast is done. Yeah, I got to yeah. see it. It's uh, interesting that you bought it because I want to talk later in this episode about the real estate market yeah. and why, you know, I first had seen you at a growth video live kind mm-hmm. of talking about it. And then I saw you get more vocal about it on Twitter and other things. And so I was like, wow, I want to know what Patrick is thinking about this, you know, cause you're obviously planning for the future and what's happening. And, um, it made me actually research one of your tweets from earlier. And you said it like two years ago, you're like, Hey, you know, home sellers enjoy the next two years. You guys are going to crush it, but you know, come 2023, it's going to be a different day. No question. And they're going through it right now. Yeah. I mean, refinance. So think about the average loan officer, you're in real estate, but you do a different side of a uh, real estate, right? So the average loan officer, they refinance loans or they get new loans for a person that's buying a new purchase, right? Mm-hmm. The average loan officer, 80 to 90% of their business is purely refi. Right. So they'll call you and they'll refi of a, hey, you got a loan right now. The rates are 6%. Let me refi and save you 800 bucks a month on your payment. So I take you from six to four, six to five, four to three or four to 2.8, right? right? Okay. So... The refi business right now, 93% is wiped out. Mm-hmm. 93%. There is no refis being done today. And it's different ways you make money in real estate. But regardless of it, this is a very interesting season. It shows who the real relationship builders are, who the real visionaries are, who's prepped for a rainy day, who hasn't bought one too many Ferraris or Lambos or Rolls Royce or Patek Philippe watch or Hublot watch or secondary, third rental, you know, properties, what not properties, but more like a vacation home. Those decisions that people have made the last five to 10 years, we're going to learn all of those decisions the next two to three years. Mm. All the wastefulness. And we paid a price for it. Listen, I used to go to Vegas every other weekend and I was a guy that would play a lot. I would play a lot. I would do 
My sales meeting Tuesday night at 10 o'clock, I'd go to uh, 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 Commerce, which was a poker place in LA, and I would play to four or five o'clock in the morning, and then I'd come back and run my sales appointment the next day. So I liked the whole risk of what it was like. And then eventually one day I'm like, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. I'm going to play the business game. So again, my bad decisions showed up in my savings. So some of the people's bad decisions is going to show up and some of the people's great decisions who behind closed doors, nobody was paying attention to them. They're going to be recognized 10 times more than they were being recognized in a great market. I love it. Yeah, because everyone looks good in a great market. It's only when things hit. What's the, the Warren Buffett quote? You know, everybody figures out who's swimming naked when the tide runs out. So I totally agree. Um, you know, before we jump into real estate and everything, I mean, obviously, you're not known as being a real estate guy. You're an entrepreneur, first yeah. and foremost. People see valuetainment and, you know, your YouTube channel and the podcast and everything else. Um, like for you at this point, you, you have like an, a massive business, a massive social media following. Like where... Are you spending the majority of your time? Like, what are you planning for? Like, what's, I, I mean, I'm sure you want to grow everything, but what are you really trying to grow in? So, so the insurance company that I've uh, been running for the last, when is this going to be going live, by the way? Uh, probably a few weeks. Okay. So then by that time, it'll be public. I just sold uh, my insurance company last week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Congrats. We've been going, thank you. We've been going through it for, uh, the last three years, it finally got done and it's a done deal and, you know, multi, multi, multi nine figure transaction that we're talking about. So that was part of the insurance company that we're doing. Now I'm still the CEO, acting CEO, and I'm helping, uh, grow the company and helping those guys out. My scheduling doesn't change with that part. So that's the insurance side. I said, I'm going to give 20 years. It's been 20 years. And now it's the next two years of being the CEO helping out. I'll go through that process as well. That's just for the transition. Yes. Now, now obviously I'm still helping grow the company, but on the other side, the media side, valuetainment. Valuetainment for me, you know, media has been a part of the play for a while. It went from being a YouTube channel to a media company. I said, listen, this can be a lot bigger. When we chose the valuetainment name, that was the name of a publicly traded company ran by a CEO named Dirk out of Germany, whom I called and I said, I want to buy your domain, valuetainment.com. And he says, I'm not selling you my name. I'm on the, I'm on publicly, I'm on the stock market named Valuetainment. I said, I want to buy it. He said, I'm not going to sell it to you. I said, no problem. Two and a half years later, he sold me the domain. I picked it up for, you know, $27,000. We own Valuetainment. It's not a bad deal. He wanted half a million. Eventually he gave it for $27,000, which was great. And he changed his company's name to Valuetees. So he went to value tees, we went to value tainment, and then I said, Hey, if we're gonna do this, we gotta do this to run a media company. So within valuetainment, there's a consulting business that we run. There's a vault business that we run, you know, with uh, uh uh where attendees entrepreneurs from around the world come in. There's a podcast business, now we're recruiting podcasters, there's original content series that we're doing, documentary that we're doing, we'll be doing movies as well. An OTT model, and then that'll be a media empire competing with the likes of, you know, what Ted Turner did, what Kirk Kerkorian did, combined together. That's that part. And then obviously, I got four kids. I got a 10, 8, 6, and a 1-year-old. And within the family, we have a whole different desire and vision that we have on what we're going to do with them. But that's what the plans are with some of the things I'm running. Yeah. So let's talk about social media. Um, <clears throat> this is actually how you and I really got to talking, you know, I, I met you at Growth Video Live and you gave me some really good advice for social media. You said, Hey, 
you know, every time we grew value attainment, we, you know, had a benchmark we wanted to hit. And eventually when we hit it, we took a break. Then we kind of just reevaluated where we were. We reinvented ourselves for the next phase of growth. And so for me, you know, one of the things I'm doing right now is like pretty much vlogging. And um, it's just like this whole new thing that is just like a different point in my life that I'm really enjoying. People mm-hmm. seeing the behind the scenes of these meetings and these podcasts and the conversations. And it's going really well right now. Um, but one thing like when I look at you and Gary V is like, you guys have been doing social media a long time, way before every entrepreneur wanted to do it. You know, I, I recently got in the game a couple of years ago. So value team and going through its different stages of growth, you know, to me, I look at it and I see you're trying to build this podcast, um, conglomerate of all these people. Are you seeing like that as a big future for social media or where are you seeing? Yeah, I think it all has to do with your vision on what you're building. So I think Gary got into this mix right off the bat in 04, 05. I got into creating content in 2013. And then even 2013, you're thinking you're late. And then you got into a couple of years ago and you're kicking yeah. butt, major butt in the last couple of years that you've been in, what you got going on with your content. But here's what you have to realize. Even the next two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, the market is always going to be wanting new people with new messages and a creative way to deliver a message to an audience that they weren't getting before. And there's a unique connection with an audience that you're going to find, right? Then when you find that audience, you'll find, say, 50,000 people that follow you. And they say, I like the way Ryan says says things. I like what he stands for. Hey, you should check it out. You should check it out. Then that goes to 200,000. Then maybe it goes to a million. Maybe it goes to 2 million. Then you flatline. And at that point, you found your audience. Maybe you grow half a percent. Maybe you grow a percent. Maybe you grow 10% a year, but you're no longer growing the way you were growing. So what do you do now? Well, at that point is where a lot of people get stuck to recreate themselves. And they become, you know, one trick pony. This is all I can do. You know, this is all I can talk about. And this is all I can tell you. You're kind of getting stuck at that point, right? So for, for me, it's constant recreation mode of what we want to do. And it's a lot of tests. On the podcast stuff that we're doing right now, I'm doing that for different reasons because uh, uh, I think the way you communicate a message, especially with value and to get people's attention, you do it through laughter, you do it through entertaining people, hence value-tainment, right? Mm-hmm. Entertainment. So we just launched a value value-tainment comedy channel, which now we're recruiting comedians. Mm-hmm. Why? Because humor is what we need. The next two years are going to be very, very stressful for a lot of people. Divorces are going to be high. Drinking is going to be high. Alcohol is going to be high. You know, drugs are going to be high. Fights are going to be high. Bickering is going to be high. Parents upset at their kids going to be high. And what people are going to need next two years, rather than trying to get drunk, rather than trying to do stuff that's going to hurt your body, you need laughter. So vitamin comedy is because people need to laugh. So, and then eventually you're getting to a point where you look back and you say, okay, we got the business thing going here. We got politics going here. We got sports here. We got comedy here. We got education here. We got, you know, all these technology things here. Now we have a real business that we're building. And then at this point, it's getting bigger and bigger. So it's for me, anytime I do anything, the, the step number one for me is getting clear on what my vision is. And it's not like, hey, I want to be that guy. I want to be this guy. I want to be that guy. Here's what vision moves me. I can't help myself but stop thinking about X, Y, Z. Okay, a week later, I'm still thinking about it. A week later, I'm still thinking about it. It's how I buy stuff. So let's just say if I want to buy a car, 
I'll look at it one week. I'm like, man, that's a sick car. Then I'll go sit in it. Man, that's a sick car. I'll go look at it a month later. That's a sick car. Two months later, I'm over the car. I'm not buying the car, right? So vision. I get excited about a vision. I watch a documentary or a movie and I read a book. I'm like, oh my God, I'm touched, man. This was sick. A week later, I'm still fired up and I'm still reading articles. A month later, I'm still reading books on it. Five months later, I'm still as obsessed as I was day one. This is a real vision. You got to do something with this. Then the next step is recruiting people. So here's the vision. Then it's recruiting people. So when you ask about the podcast people, I'm in such aggressive recruiting mode right now. And it's not even salespeople. It's recruiting executive, movie directors, producers, mm. presidents, content creators, you know, uh, um, folks who are all in the entertainment side who know how to put things together. Massive recruiting mode right now to see what we're going to build with entertainment. I love that. So to me, obviously you're selling what you've already sold, the um, insurance company. And so it just seems like the full focus is now going to be value. Well, I mean, for the next two years, you're going to transition. But after that, it's just valuetainment all the way. Uh, uh, within Valuetainment and, you know, within my own podcast and yes, but it's going to be stuff that I'm going to do within Valuetainment. We have Valuetainment Investment Group that we've launched, mm. which means if you have an entrepreneur that's running a business doing 5 million a year, 10 million a year, 20 million a year, 50 million a year, this person wants to raise 20 million bucks, we're going to go help you raise that capital. So there's going to be an element in that. We're already doing that for uh, small entrepreneurs, but all of that's going to be under the umbrella mm-hmm. of Valuetainment. But there's a lot of things that are under the umbrella right. of Valuetainment. So yes, that's... It's that's not just what, all content. There's all no, these it's, different pieces. it's not. I mean, obviously, you come here, you walk downstairs, you're seeing 40, 50 people working here. They're not just working yeah. here, cutting episodes, <laughs> They're right? Creators. They're doing a bunch of different things that they're doing here. You go to the other place, you're like, what the hell is going on over here? You're realizing this isn't just a YouTube channel. There's stuff going on here. Payroll is a big payroll. You, you don't pay these guys, you know, you know, just a $5,000 payroll, $50,000 payroll, $100,000 payroll. There's a payroll here. So that happens because jobs are getting done and money's being made. But this is just the beginning. Entrepreneurs, if you want to grow your business, there is no better investment than your own personal brand. The smartest thing I ever did was start creating content and investing into my brand. Ever since then, we've been able to triple our business. I've been able to raise more money than ever to continue buying more real estate. And it's all because I create content just like this. Now, a lot of people have asked me, Ryan, how am I supposed to do it? I don't know where to start. I don't know who's going to edit it. I don't know even what kind of setup or camera or anything to do. Well, here's the thing. We can help you with all of that at Pineda Media. We have a podcast checklist that you can actually get for free at PinedaMedia.com that's going to go over everything you need on starting a podcast. But to make matters even better, we'll actually edit your podcast for you. We'll repurpose it into short form clips like you see on my Instagram and my TikTok so that people will start seeing those clips and watching your podcast and in turn being customers or investors in your business. So if you want the one-stop solution where you can get everything done for you, plus get the education you need to grow your personal brand, then you need to go to PinedaMedia.com and book a free call with our team. You can also go get that free podcast checklist and that training program absolutely free by just going there. So go check it out. Yeah, the one thing I noticed about you is it's very different from most guys you see on social media where maybe they talk about the same thing all the time, right? Like even a guy like me, you might be like, oh, he talks about real estate a lot. Then you see Gary Vee and you're like, Gary Vee talks about social media a lot and marketing. Whereas you, you look at your content, you're like, like you said, 
you'll talk to entrepreneurs and talk about all that. You'll talk about real estate. You'll talk about politics. You'll talk to the mob. And, you know, some of your most famous videos are, you know, interviewing these mobsters. You'll go talk to athletes. And now you're talking about comedy clubs and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, you're just so diverse in what you're trying to do versus other people when they say, Hey, you got to niche down. You got to focus on one thing and be known for one Mm -hmm. thing. Like, so what do you say about that? Oh, that's a great thing. So, but you got to realize for me, for the longest time, I was only entrepreneurship. I was only business. Mm -hmm. So you stay that and you make that as wide as you can and as big as you can. Then you say, okay, now that I'm known for this, now I'm going to add a sprinkle of this. I'm going to, I can't do all of it. In my mind, I want to do, talk about all this stuff. I mean, I, Last 11 years, I wrote a fiction book that's 96,000 words. Well, we just signed on with a publisher. And I said, I'm not going to sign on with a publisher with this fiction book until I sell the insurance company because it's a controversial book that I'm writing that has to do with weird. You're going to read this and you're going to say, what the hell is in Pat's mind? That's what you're going to say. It's a very weird book that I'm writing. So we finally signed on with a publisher. I just signed on with uh, my next business book that this is the first time I'm seeing this in video. I signed on a, a, my uh, next business book that we're doing that is with Penguin Portfolio. Very excited about that. We're having our first call on Monday. We had a bunch of different offers. We went with them. Very, very excited. Had a great call with their CEO, Adrian. It's going to be good things that we will be launching there. But the, the idea is I started business. Like, for example, for you, you start with real estate. Mm-hmm. But behind closed doors, you're interested in these two, three other things that you want to talk about where you're scared. How's the audience going to receive me if I talk about that? What's the risk if I talk about this? Am I going to lose them? And guess what the risk is? You may. Yeah. You may lose them. Okay. But for me, this is what I've learned. Whatever you are incredibly interested in, there's an audience for that. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're incredible. If you are interested in Rolex watches, okay, which I'm not, okay, but, you know, it looks good. I like gold. It goes nice with my skin. Uh, by the way, my watch is never on time. Look what time it is there. <laughs> I've the never, same. ever fixed the time. We, on... we have the... Uh, what date the is it? It's okay. Today's the 10th. Okay, just so, today's not even the 10th. It's the 11th today, I think. It's today's 11th, the... We're both right. wrong. <laughs> today's the 11th. Okay, and this says the 5th. But I got this watch because it's nice. I got my wedding band. It kind of goes together, right? Yeah. I said, okay, cool. So I like this. But if you know Rolex and you say, did you know? Here's a fun fact about Rolex. If I ask you right now, if Rolex is a for-profit organization or a non-profit organization, what would you say? It's obviously what? It's a non-profit. It's a non-profit. Rolex is a non-profit organization that's profiting a lot of money. Most people didn't know this. (laughs) If you go look up Rolex, people are going to do it right now. You add it to the B-roll. Rolex is a non-profit. Now, some people are like, get the hell out of here, (laughs) Pat. But you see, if you're a watch and somebody says, do you know how these watches became so popular? It became popular because of XYZ. So I'm in France, Paris. I bought this in Paris uh, for my oldest son. One day this is going to be handed to him. So I'm wearing his watch on my uh, wrist, right? I bought a Patek Felipe watch in Venice. And I bought that for my next son. And I go to the store and the salesperson says, let me tell you what makes these things so special. Do you know the average Patek Felipe watch that's made? Some 1,100 people touch the watch. What? Yes. What are you talking about? Yes. No way. Yeah. Do you know if you own seven Patek Philippa watches, they will eventually, after seven that you own, they will make a one of one just for your family. Mm. One of one just for your family. Now, maybe a half a million dollar check and maybe a one million dollar check. But that watch they make that's one of one, 
It's only for you to one day pass it down to your son. See, when you hear that story, what happens? I'm interested. Yeah. I'm like, this is pretty sick. Now, am I going to build a YouTube channel around watches? No, I'm not. I'm never going to do that because I'm not that interested. Now, go talk to a guy that's obsessed with watches and see what happens. See what happens when they talk about it. Okay. So the point is people want to listen to people talk on a topic that can go deep, that they're obsessed about. Mm -hmm. It does not matter what it is. So most people aren't obsessed about too many things. Yeah. Fortunately and unfortunately, I'm obsessed about a lot of different things. Yeah. So my mindset is, man, I can't stop thinking about X, Y, Z. Can I get this thing out of my head? Because it's taking too much time. If I can't take it out of my head, then I test the content. Mm. Let me do a mob interview, see if there's an interest for it. Wow, there is. Okay, I thought I was alone. Yeah. I thought people were going to say I'm weird. Yeah. No, it did well. It was picked up by World Star and it takes off. So <laughs> you may do an interview where I remember one time I went to a, a, a conference since 2013, when I'm starting a channel, I'm like a little bit skeptical. Well, can I really do this? Should I really do this? I'm just an insurance guy. Who am I to think I can create content? And this one guy gets up. He's one of the keynotes. He says, I was a lawyer for 20 years. You know what I struggled with as a lawyer for 20 years? What's that? You know what I love the most? What? Disney. What do you mean Disney? I know everything about Disney. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you don't look like a Disney guy. Yeah. He, lo- he looked like a lawyer. Mm-hmm. He says, I love Disney. I said, huh? So eventually, one day I said, you know, if I could do something for the rest of my life, I want to talk about stuff with Disney. So he started a podcast and a YouTube channel. All he talks about is Disney. All of a sudden, he realizes there's tens of thousands of people worldwide that feel the way he does, that are his age, and showed up. Then he got sponsorship. Then he started making money. Mm-hmm. Then he went from making 200 grand as a lawyer to making a half a million running a podcast talking about Disney. That's now, funny. you can't pull that off. I don't think. I can't pull that off mm-hmm. on Disney because I'm not that interested. So... If you can find multiple things that you're very, very interested in, that you can deliver the message in a way that's deeper than the average person who only goes one or two or three layers deep, Mm -hmm. you're going to have a wider audience. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how this works out. So I'm just a little bit more obsessed about a few more topics. I've tested many things, whether it was content or for a product. You know, I remember... I started doing this golf with me day because I started getting really passionate about golf. And so, you know, it's something I picked up last year and I'm already getting pretty good at it. And I'm like, dude, you know what? I wonder when's the last time somebody like went pro at like mid thirties, like, has it ever been done? I'm like, how cool would that story be to do it? But anyway, so I, I post about me golfing all the time and sure enough, I was like, I bet you people would probably pay to golf with me. Like, let's just see what happens. And so I just put it out there. I'm like, hey, if you want to golf with me, you get to spend four hours. We'll talk about business. We'll build a relationship, hang out. And anyways, I just put it out. I was like, I don't know, 2,500 bucks. Like 20 people signed up. I was like, holy crap. There's like a big amount of golfers and business people. 50K right there, exactly. Yeah. And then I had to raise the price. And it was just like, there's this demographic of business people who love golf, who are passionate about it. And like, it's funny because the people who golf with me, some suck at golf and they just want to talk business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are others who are just, they love golf and they're not even like talking about business. They're there for golf. So it's pretty crazy. Like once you really find things you're passionate about that are kind of also too already correlated to what you do. But let me tell you that right there, what you just said, I already went there to say a guy in his thirties decides to be a professional golfer. Seven years later, he becomes a professional golfer. How did you do it? That's a documentary. That's a show. That's on SportsCenter. That's ESPN 3430 type of a story. That's the kind of stuff that people who are kind of like, well, it's too late for me. No, it's an excuse. It's not too late for you. 
that's an experiment. Experiment. Mm-hmm. You're experimenting with something that can lead into something bigger, right? Right. And now, me as an audience, I'm watching you saying, "Wow, this guy all of a sudden got passionate about golf, and he does a you want to golf with me for four hours. Twenty five people spend, you know, twenty people spend twenty five hundred dollars to come spend time with them. That audience is not going to show up. And could that turn into a golf tournament re- later on? Could that turn into something where you're raising money and Rolex is a sponsor, Chase is a sponsor, things like that? Yeah. Yes. That's because you're passionate about yeah. it. And we already did that. We, um, we did a charity golf tournament two weeks ago and we raised 50 grand for, um, my baseball coach from back when I was in college because he's got a neurological thing going on. And, uh, you know, just turning that passion for golf into like all these different things. Yeah. I see, uh, <laughs> all these guys on the live tour. I'm seeing, I'm sure you've seen that, like how much money they're getting paid. I'm like, Man, it seems like it'll take anyone. It just, <laughs> so I might as well like take this seriously. It's crazy. Um, I see you got an aura ring. I got one I just got. Are you taking your health? Are you becoming super passionate about your health? I have no choice. Yeah. I have no choice because for me, uh, when you got all the businesses that I run, you do podcasts, you have to create content, you're on camera, you're behind the scenes negotiating with investment bankers. You know, money managers, all these guys, four kids, married, travel. I mean, if I don't have energy, I can't make all this stuff work. And I'm not a guy that drinks coffee. I don't like coffee. I don't drink Red Bull. I don't do five-hour energy. I don't do supplements. I don't do any of that stuff. I just do basic stuff that I'm taking, amino acids that I drink after my workout and vitamin C and maybe B12 and some of this stuff. And that's pretty much it. So if I don't take care of this, there's no way I can last throughout the day. So let me ask you, since you, you track your stats and stuff, I just started, dude, I become addicted to looking at my stats. I'm like, how much sleep did I get? Yeah. What was the deep sleep? Yeah. How much REM sleep? The scores. Yeah. The scores. Yeah. How much sleep are you getting? So I will tell you, there's a guy downstairs named Kai. When you leave, remind me to introduce him to you. Kai's from Norway. He applied here while he was living in Norway. He went, we eventually gave him a job and he moved here. He's been with us for three years now. So Kai got the same ring. Okay. Kai will get nine. So one day he says, Pat, how do you do it with five hours of sleep? I don't understand it. I have to see your stuff. I said, take my phone. So he takes my phone. He goes through the aura ring uh, uh, scores, you know, yeah. 83, 82, 80, whatever it is, right? And he notices something. He says, Pat, it takes me nine hours of sleep to get to get the same amount of REM that you get in five mm-hmm. or six. I can't help myself. But if I, if I lay in my bed and my head, I'm horizontal. I'm yeah. gone. Yeah. That's not so, I I so you do as well. Great. Yeah. So, so I don't struggle with going to sleep. But, uh, you know, data is data. You know, some nights I'll go and I'll go on four. If I do have a four-hour sleep night, I need to make it up that weekend with a seven. I can't think of the last time I was able to do eight minus if I go on vacation. Even this time I went to Monaco. I don't think I had a night with seven hours of sleep because right. we were going through the deal. But I'm good if I get my four to six. Yeah. I'm the same way. I've been... Uh really looking at my stats and somebody had pointed it out to me. They're like, dude, your deep sleep is like crazy. There you go. Yeah. And he's like, you could sleep. You, you're good sleeping five to six hours. You just don't really need to because you get the same amount as somebody who sleeps nine. And then it made me actually think about, you know, you interviewed Kobe. Kobe I'm a Lakers fan. So everything, you know, Kobe ever said and did, I'm like, man, you know, and I remember it was like legendary how he would only sleep, you know, like three, four hours a night. And now I'm looking at it like, yeah, he probably just was really good at sleep. Like it's it's like a talent to be able to sleep really well. It's crazy. So tell me about this. You know, I've been seeing everything with real estate, 
And um, you're obviously very outspoken about where the economy's going. You know, we had already talked about loan officers and what they're going through. So what, what's your prediction on real estate? Why do you feel that way? I mean, you, you just have to look at a few data points. You got to look at uh, rates. You got to look at uh, interest rates, obviously inflation. You got to look at inventory. You got to look at how they keep increasing the rates. So at the pace we're going right now with what they're doing to have to make up for gas prices, inflation, they're going to keep increasing rates. And the closest example we have up today, the closest example we have today, we have a case study. So when COVID first happened, I was in LA, I was having a board meeting. I'm at Beverly Hills Hilton. I'm about to meet with De La Hoya and Gabriel Brenner to do our board meeting. Last minute, everyone cancels. Mm-hmm. This is March 13th of 2020, two and a half years ago. And all of a sudden, I turn on the TV, Rudy Gobert gave COVID to Donovan Mitchell, and NHL shuts down, and Disney shuts down, and Universal shuts down, NBA shuts down. I don't know if you remember that date. Yeah, I do. That's it's the like date. February yeah, it's like, exactly. So I tell my wife, I said, babe, we got to fly back to Dallas. We fly back to Dallas. I drop off the wife and kids. I come back to the office, and I go study to see what's happened with the pandemic in the past and how it's affected the economy. So I do my own research and I said, okay, out of the 10 pandemics we've had, nine out of 10 pandemics, six months later, the market is the same as it was the day before the pandemic got started. Meaning if the market was here, market drops, six months later, the same. The only pandemic that the market didn't recover after 12 months was AIDS. Everything else recovered six months later. So this means 90% chance after this pandemic, what's going to happen to real estate, to what's going to happen to the market. It's going to recover. Okay. So now if we come and look at today's case study, after pandemic, the amount of money we've printed, inflation, gas prices, policies, who is the other president we can look at that looks exactly close to the one that we have today? You got to go back to Jimmy Carter. That's 78, 80, 81, 82, then Reagan shows up. Okay. What happened during that time with interest rates? Do you know how high interest rates went? Do you know in 1981, if you wanted to get a 30-year fixed loan, what that interest rate was in 1981? I actually just did a presentation. At, I don't know if it was 81, but I saw the highest rate was like 17%. 17% is the number. Yeah. 17, so 18%. Yeah. So check this out. A CD. If you want to get a CD today, it's like a percent. Yep. If you got a CD in 81, you got 17, 18% CD. Crazy. I mean, it's like crazy to get 18% CD, <laughs> yeah. right? Okay. Everybody put their money in. But here's what's crazy. Do you remember... Uh, uh, 20 years ago in 2002, every day we would see this commercial of a company called ING Direct. Do you remember ING Direct? No. Okay. So you're younger. 20 years ago, ING Direct would say, ING Direct money market, 4.25%. ING Direct, 4%. And everybody in America had an ING Direct account. You would put your money there because you're making 4%. Okay. Today, money market account is going to make you 1.4, 1.2%. You ain't making a lot of money, right? Meaning just 20 years ago, that was 3% higher. So what's such a big deal to assume that we're going to go back to that? It's not a big deal. We're probably going back to that. Okay. So now interest rates today, if I were to get a house, a 30-year fix, it's about about 5.75%, right? Mm -hmm. You go back 20 years ago, interest rates were never from 1970 since 2008. That entire whatever timeline that is around 40 years, right? Yeah, 38 years. Interest rates for 38 years were never, ever below 6%. Right. Interest rates for 40 years, nearly, 
was always 7%, 8%, 9%, or 10%, right? right? Okay. So the way it's looking right now, the last two years, too much money was made. A lot of money was made, which happy for everybody that made their money. Interest, uh, real estate went up 40.4% last <laughs> two years across the board. Yeah. So that's counting Toledo, but that's also counting New York and Miami. So 40.4% the last two years. A big part of why it's doing so well is because there's no inventory. If you look at data, what happened in April, March, level of inventory flat to February. February to March, flat. February, March to April, flat. And then April to May, boom. May to June, boom. Mm -hmm. If inventory keeps going up, prices of real estate is going to go down. In the next two years, could we see a 40 to 60% drop off in real estate? We may see it in the next two years. Now, some are saying that won't happen. Some are saying, well, there's no way in the world that's going to be taking place. If people are getting unemployed, if companies are hiring, if companies are rescinding offers today, we have not seen companies rescind offers for 15 years nearly. You know what a rescinding offer is. So you get a job from me. I'm Tesla. We give you $120,000 salary and you start day one on July 18th. Well, all of a sudden we call you July 12th to say, hey, we're rescinding that that offer. We're sorry. That job doesn't exist anymore. Go back to your job. So now you have to call your company back and say, hey, Remember how I told you I give you a two-week notice? My mistake, I want to come back to you. No, that's a byproduct of rescinding. So all of these crazy things are happening. 80,000 Bitcoin millionaires have disappeared. Let me say that again. 80,000 Bitcoin millionaires have disappeared. A lot of these Bitcoin millionaires were buying $200,000 watches, million-dollar homes, multi-million-dollar homes, uh, uh, what do you call it, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Rolls Royce. That's gone. And what are people doing now who own their homes? They're like, oh my God, babe, we got to sell our house. We got to sell our house. Well, let's put it up for a million bucks. You can put it with whatever price you want to put it up right now. It ain't going to sell at that price for a minute. Mm -hmm. Some people may get lucky in some pockets, but real estate's going to take a hit. And I predict, I may be wrong and I'm hoping I'm wrong. I predict the next two years is going to be very, very ugly. Buffett and Musk, there was an article written about them that they talked about the three Ps. And the three Ps were, first, you predict. Here's what I predict is going to happen to the market. I'm making a prediction. Two, after you predict, you prepare. Here's what I'm prepared. If this happens, this is what I'm anticipating that's going to take place. Then third is you persevere. You have to make it through a bad time. So you predict, you prepare, you persevere. Everybody has to make their own prediction. My prediction is market's going to take a massive hit. Mm. And you think all markets, not just real estate? I think stock markets, I think equity is going to take a hit. I think bonds are going to, uh, obviously, it's the complete opposite. I think equity is going to take a hit. I think Bitcoin has more room to lose. I think commercial is going to take a hit because people are not going to be leasing as much space. Wealth Builders, if you are trying to grow your real estate investing business, then you need to join us at Wealthy Investor. You have no idea what Wealthy Investor is. It is our coaching program and community. We have helped thousands of students worldwide grow their business. Now, it doesn't matter if you're just getting started and you're trying to get that first deal. We can help you do that. If you're trying to scale your business and go from a few deals a year to a few deals a month or even seven figures a year, we can help you do that too. In fact, last year alone, we had over 30 students do over a million dollars in revenue. And I'd love for you to be the next one. So it's pretty simple. If you're trying to grow your business and wholesale more homes or flip more homes or buy more rental properties, 
then you need to go to wealthyinvestor.com and book a free call with our team. It's super simple. We'll go on a strategy call with you and figure out how we can help you grow according to your needs. So all you got to do is go to wealthyinvestor.com, book the free call with the team, and we'll see you there. Let's talk about investing in general. Um, if we think they're all going to take a hit, which you do and a lot of investors do, in fact, um, we, we've seen it on our side that you know, I have a fund for real estate and we raise money and syndicate and buy apartments and things. Um, I've definitely noticed people are much less likely to invest right now, right? Because they all feel the same. Um, well, not them all, but way more than ever before, right? Um, but we also have the most money and savings than in the history of the world. So what are all these people going to do? Well, if everyone's just sitting on the side, waiting. you said we have a more in savings. Well, Amer- just- Americans lost three trillion dollars in retirement funds this year, just in six months. Uh, we lost a trillion dollars in Bitcoin uh, 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 f- this year in six months. That's a lot of money to lose. Right. That's four trillion dollars. So when you lose money like that, mm-hmm. you kind of sit around and you're worried and you're panicking about what's going to be happening. Some of them who are sitting on cash, like for you, if I'm talking to you right now, your energy tells me you're sitting on cash. You don't seem worried at all. If I was to somehow hire an investigator to go find out how much money you got in the bank, (laughs) you give me the feeling that you're going to be okay the next few years, no matter what happens to the market. Yes. Now, how many people you think are in the same situation as you? Not many. Not many people. How many people you know were flaunting one Rolls Royce, then a second one, then a third one, then a fourth one, then a fifth one. Many people. Those guys are going to get hurt. Those guys are going to get hurt no matter what happens. Well, during good times, they seem like they're experts. Right. And, and to me, okay, so here's another question for you. Let's see which, you know, how close you'll get with this one. Since 1850, how many recessions do you think we've had in the history of America? Just the technical, you know, two quarters of GDP. What do you think we've had? How many recessions have we had since 1850, mm, give or take? 1850, that is, I don't know. 170 30. years. Uh, let's say 30. Okay, it's 44. You're pretty close. So yeah. if you break it down, we have a recession every five to 10 years. Yeah. Okay. Historically, we've always hit our five to 10 years. Okay. But this is five to seven years when we do the math, right? Do you know when's the last time we had a recession? That's 14 years. So you got to realize like we're way overdue, meaning the last 14 years, we should have two recessions. We haven't even had one yet. So it's kind of like this. Imagine a bodybuilder. Okay. When a bodybuilder is preparing for competition, what happens? You know, at one point in my life, I wanted to be a bodybuilder. So I go to Mr. Olympia and I talk to these guys. What do I need to do to compete? And I told them specifically, tell me, tell me the drugs I need to use to compete. I know you ain't going to compete for Mr. Olympia without taking everything and anything under the sun to win Mr. Olympia. I asked them, what is it? Then I went to the doctors and I asked what the side effects are and how long I need to be on these drugs. Then I looked at people that won Mr. Olympia that are my height. Well, no one's ever won Mr. Olympia at my height ever. I'm six, four and a half. The tallest one that won it was Arnold, six, two and a half. And that was in the seventies. Which means back in the days, there was no, you know, 350 pound bodybuilders. He won at 245 pounds at six to an half, which is insane to That's win at that high. That's a normal guy now. That's a normal guy today, yeah, right? Yeah. But today at six to an half, you would need to be at 295, right? Yeah. You ain't going to win it at that size. It's just not going to happen. Even when Dorian Yates won, it was 5'10", 5'11". Yeah. Now, let me give you an example. So say we take all the major steroids, yeah. DECA, D-Ball, Sipinate. Suspension, put everything, soften at 250, 
winning. Put everything, map it out. Okay. And there's some real hardcore stuff right now. People taking that's obviously yeah. we're seeing bodybuilders dying left and right. It's an epidemic that's going on. Yeah. Now, if I do these things for six months, just six months, and I get off of it, can my body handle it? For six months? Yeah. For yeah, six probably. months. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. What if I go 12 months? Probably. Probably. Yeah. What if I go two years? You start seeing some effects. <laughs> yeah. And what are some of the effects when I get off of it? Oh, uh, you're gonna have man boobs. Man boobs. What else? Be messed up with kids. Be messed up your with kids. Count's gonna be low. What else? You're gonna have to get back on it because your your body just can't function without it. Because your body hasn't produced natural testosterone for two years because it's yeah. been fake. So your body's sitting there saying that machine that produces testosterone it is taking broke. a two year break. Mm-hmm. What happens if you take a two-year break from YouTube right now you decide to come back? You think you lost some audience? Oh, yeah. That's a long-ass break, right? Yeah. Okay, so watch this. Imagine you do all of those drugs and growth hormone, everything at the highest level for 14 years, mm. and you decide to get off. Well, you can't get off. Well, they have no choice because <laughs> they eventually have to get off. So here's the problem. Right. The only way a market crash doesn't take place is what? What is the only way a market crash doesn't take place? They pump more money and they lower rates again. Okay. So how much more can they lower rates? Well. If they lower rates, inflation goes up. Yeah. Right? If they pump more money, value dollar goes down. Right. If they keep pumping more money, nobody's learning how to compete in the marketplace. If they don't allow some of these too big to fail companies to go out of business, they're delaying the issue for your kids to go through it. But we're going to eventually have to go through it. Yeah. So my ideal situation is for us to say, let's just go through it right now. Let's get it off. Let's get this thing, and it's going to be two, three, four years. Let's go through this right now. Get everybody back in America used to 8% interest rates, 7% interest rates. Make that the norm. Go back to if you want to buy a house, buy a house with 25% down. Mm-hmm. Nobody should have 90% financing, 85% financing, 95% financing. Go back. You want to buy half a million dollar house? Perfect. No problem. Put 25% down. Can you put 125 down? I cannot. You don't need to buy half a million dollar house. <laughs> so that's going to bring the value of these things down. Then we're normal. Okay. Do you know the, 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 in 2008 when the market crashed? Here's the data for you. Do you know what the average home that sold in America to income? So let me say this again. So income to average price of home that sold, meaning if I'm making $100,000 and the average House that was selling $200,000, that's what? Two times, yep. right? Yep. Okay. Typically, this number historically in America has been at three and a half times, mm-hmm. four times. You know what it was in 08? What? In 08, it was eight times. Mm. Do you know what it is today? Eight and a half times. Mm. So what is that telling you? Listen, these people yeah. cannot afford eight and a half times. You, you, there's, yeah. the, the few of us can. The average person making 60 k they cannot afford eight. $500,000 house. Right. That's what the number is. So all of this data that you look at, you sit there and you say, maybe this is really happening. Now, either Biden can decide to do another, you know, $2 trillion or whatever. Yep. No problem. It's just going to screw it up even worse. Okay. Hey, don't worry about it. Here's some more free money. Every time they do more stimulus and free money, guess what that money goes to? It goes to the rich people. Mm-hmm. The fastest way for the government to hand billionaires... $500 billion, you know what to do with that? Just give it money. to poor people and, and, and middle-income families. Yeah. If the government wants to give Fortune 1000 CEOs and founders and all those guys $500 billion or $200 billion, 
Don't give it to them directly. Give it to low and middle income families. They'll spend it. They'll spend it and the money's gonna flow to all those Fortune 1000 companies. Now all of a sudden you're sitting there saying, do you see your net worth increased by $500 billion? I wonder why. You gave the money to people that don't know how to handle money and the money rolls to the people at the top. Right. Versus saying, let me create an economy where these guys can compete by telling them what they need to do with their finances. We've taken different strategies and it's uh, this is why I believe it's gonna be ugly the next two years if the government doesn't get in the way. Right, and that's the big if. It is, So it is. For me, obviously, my investment thesis is I agree with you 100%. Like, you know, we're just delaying the inevitable. And the moment we finally hit a reset will be when things for the long term get way better. But it obviously would take a ton of pain, like you're saying. But when you're investing, too, it's like, all right, but we're not just going based on that. We're going based on what do we think the government's going to do? What are they going to do with midterms? You know, the other thing I think about is two things that are a lot different than the last housing crash, you know, one being all the institutional money in real estate versus, you know, an 08 funds and everything weren't buying single family homes. It just wasn't even an asset class. And now today you have billions and billions of dollars of homes being purchased by funds that don't really have an intention to ever release them back to the public, right? Like they're, if they do sell, they're selling to another fund. They're not going on the MLS. Like, so I, I think that a lot of inventory ends up getting basically taken off. Can I give you some data on that? Yeah. Okay. In Q4 of 2021, for every dollar that was spent to buy real estate, what percentage do you think was from, was from investors? Uh, tell me. 20 cents. Okay. Just 20%. Right. That's a big part of which you're right. What you're saying is you're absolutely right. The Blackstones are coming in and they're buying this building or they're buying that building or they're buying this building for sure. Do you know what's happened to that number in the last quarter? They've dropped 17%. Mm-hmm. So meaning they're not putting their investments the way they did before. Right. Go to builders. Here's what's going on with builders. The amount of things builders were building to the amount of new loans people are picking up right now. It's such a wide difference today that builders are sitting there saying, I know I was giving you this price. I'm discounting it now four times. Uh, instead of 600,000, I'll give it to you for 550. No, let's do 500. No, let's do 480. No, I'll give it to you for 450. They're discounting it four mm-hmm. times in big markets, Austin. These things are documented. So yeah. you can find these types of data. So when investors and builders are playing defense and they're slowing down, you have to pay attention. And that's what investors and builders are doing today. Right. They've slowed down, okay, right. where they're not investing like they did last year. And 100%, yeah. I, I'm not saying that that's not the case. I mean, I said it like even with our fund, it's harder to raise money today, which, you know, big funds are going to have harder times raising money from their yeah. guys. And my point is just with the houses they've already accumulated, like what happens to that inventory, right? Like they're either selling to another fund, you can't just liquidate billions of dollars individually. No, you cannot. So what happens? So, so go back to that. So if you cannot liquidate all of a sudden, what do you have to do? You have to sell it at a discount. Exactly. You have to sell it at a loss. So, and, and today, the difference between renting and buying, you know how there's a mathematical formula that says, Mm -hmm. Hey, you're $400 better off if you buy a house than you rent a house. Right. Today, you're $850 saving if you rent over buy. Right. This data is not a good data for realtors to see when they say, now on the flip side, if you are an investor and you're buying rental properties. Yeah. Guess what? great. It's great because yeah. you're not affected by it. That's a different game. Yeah. 
You're not which a, is the, the game the funds play. Sure, no doubt about it. But even they are kind of sitting there saying, let's, let's, let's see what happens. Let's slow, slow roll a little bit and see what happens in the next six, 12 months. No, and I agree. We, we, we sell um, deals directly to funds that we don't want to take down and flip. And, you know, the last two years, they'll literally pay market value. They don't even care. They're like, yeah, just give it to me. And we're like, this is great. We don't even have to fix it up. These guys will pay market mm-hmm. value without doing anything. And how and, that's not normal, by the way. No. Yeah. Crazy. Not. Exactly. No, that's yeah. not how you should invest. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, now we see they're way more selective. Some are completely out. Some are in still, but in a much different buy box. You know, they actually want to get a deal now. So it's definitely different. Um, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. So one thing I've thought about is, you know, all the people that have bought in the last three years, right? They, they've got significant equity in their home. They've got a great interest rate and all that. Um, I've always felt like many of them would not sell just because it's like, man, what are you going to go buy after that? Your rate's going to be significantly higher. Mm-hmm. Your payment's going to be higher. There's still not a ton of rentals on the market. So like, where are you going to move and transition? What do you think about all that? Like being kind of locked in to your payment. But you know, what, what choice do you have? You know, your choice is going to be if let's just say the market increases so much where, you know, that house you're living in, that's an $800,000 house due to interest rates going up, that $800,000 house becomes a $600,000 house. Well, now you go back to 2008, 2009 days where people stop making payments for three months and then going back to the bank to modify their loan and lower the interest rates. And you're going to see that as well. So let's just say if you got a... Uh, I don't know if you got a $800,000 loan at 3%, right. very competitive rate, right. but the value may be a little too high. Mm-hmm. Let's just say in 18 months, that $800,000 is now $600,000. And you're like, I can't make this payment. And let's say you default on a couple payments. Mm-hmm. Then you call Bank of America and you say, hey, Bank of America, this is their loan modification department. Uh, this is my situation I'm in. I can't make this payment anymore. Then yeah. Bank of America says, okay, what if we modify your loan? Yeah. What do you mean? What if we lowered from an $800,000 loan to $600,000 loan, but instead of 3%, it's 6.9%. Mm. Now you save $200,000 of money that you have to pay. Right. They don't mind it because they're still going to collect the same monthly payment. Rather than you defaulting and they're stuck with selling this value at $0.40 cents at a dollar, they kept you in. So you're going to see modification take place in the next 18 to 24 months. Yeah, I mean, we already saw it in 2020 when all the people went into forbearance and then, you know, they got loan mods. I, I know a lot of people ended up getting 40-year mortgages. And I think that... Um, that That's something that could happen. You could see 40 yeah, and 50s showing up, by the way. I think 40s yeah. and 50s, interest onlys, I think yeah. all of those things are going to happen to combat higher rates. And so it's like, when I start thinking about, I guess, just my prediction for real estate with... You know, what's the administration going to do? That's number one, probably the most important factor. Would you agree? Uh, totally. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. So Because they could do a Band-Aid or they can get out the way. If they Band-Aid it, they'll delay it for a few years. Yeah, 100%. And so at that point, if they signal, hey, you know, we're going to print some more money and whatever, it's just go time again. Everyone's going nuts. If they do that. Yeah. But, but let, let's play that. Say they do that. You're asking me. Okay, I still wouldn't go time. Mm. Why? Because you have to eventually get off of steroids. Mm. You have to eventually get all get off of this stuff. Yeah. It's not healthy. Yeah. You 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 can do this for as long as you. There was a guy on YouTube that was a great, uh, 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 very popular content creator, bodybuilder, 
what was his name? He, he massive biceps, massive arms. At one point, he used to be competing, but he never competed at the highest level. He, I think he won a couple different things pro. Uh, what was his name? Pena, not Pena, uh, 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 Paya, something like that. Anyways, incredible physique. And he says, when I first started doing growth hormone 20 years ago, my hat size was this, now it's this. My feet size was 11, now it's 13 and a half. My hand size was this, now it's this. My elbows was this, my head was, he was showing all this stuff. He says, here's what's happened to my body in 20 years. But he's been straight on growth hormone for 20 years. Mm. And his YouTube channel had a million subscribers, hundreds of millions of views. This guy's doing great stuff. Yeah. What happened to him all of a sudden? One day you hear, rest in peace, news came out. You can't, and by the way, he was a great communicator, very eloquent. You like listening to him speak. He was, you know, macho, but at the same time, chill. Him and his girl were always together. He had this piercing blue, Bradley Cooper eyes. I think it was blue or green, but he had the look. They're going to say he had blue hair. <laughs> no, that's you. <laughs> so, so meaning, as much as you're saying it's go time, all I'm saying is the next year, if they play the game of pumping money in, or two years, or three years, or four years, eventually somebody has to say, guys, we got to get responsible. Enough enough. No, we have to. And by the way, watch this happen. What happened after Jimmy Carter? Closest president to Joe Biden is Jimmy Carter, okay? You know what happened after Jimmy Carter? 12 years of a Republican president. Mm. Yeah. 12 years of a Republican president. Now, you either like it or you don't like it. Yeah. But what's the point? A Reagan came in, and after Reagan, his VP became president. That was 12 years until who finally showed up? Bill Clinton. Mm. What happened after four years of Bill Clinton? Bush showed up. Then Obama, then Trump, then Biden. So we go like this mm. all the time, right? Except during times of a Biden or a Carter. When that happens, we just say, listen, guys, because at the end of the day, this isn't a Republican or a Democratic thing. This is who can sit there and get the economy in order without spending money. Recently, both sides of the party has been spending money, left and right. Next president, whoever they elect, it can't be a campaign of, if you elect me, I'm going to send $2,000 a month, UBI every month. That message is not going to sell. Because we know that didn't work. So, right. so let's just say Andrew Yang says that message. I had him on the podcast. I think what we need to do is we need to send America $1,000 a month, every month to UBI. And I had him on the podcast two months ago. I said, okay, you know what happened when you, your, your plan, we tested it out. You know what happened with that? <laughs> what happened with that? The rich got richer. Yeah. You're handing the money over to the rich people. So you didn't help out the poor. You yeah. gave the money to them. So we have to eventually go back to real policies because we've seen a lot of stuff tested the last six months. And many of the stuff that we were all hopeful about, we know it doesn't work. So as much as you may say, if they do, it's go time. I hope they don't. Because the last thing I want to see is us becoming so weak where, you know, you're seeing some people are now looking at China. China's becoming a superpower. And we're looking at all these different places. We're gradually helping those guys out. Yeah. No, I just finished uh, reading Ray Dalio's new book, uh, Changing the World Order. Very much he talks about just kind of where things are in the U.S. and how China's making, you know, the move past and they're very close. And it's definitely scary, man. It's scary if we don't figure out how to keep the dollar strong and the reserve currency. So it is. Yeah. And remember, just, I mean, predict, prepare, persevere. Yeah. Well, Pat, dude, it's been amazing. I know you're, you're uh, super busy and you're on to the next meeting, man. So I appreciate you having us come out to Florida and just chatting it up and, uh, Dude, appreciate you. And we're going to see what happens, man. Anytime. By the way, let's revisit a year and a half from now and yeah. see what's going to happen. So either you're going to come and say, 
I told you, PBD. <laughs> or I'm going to say, listen, we're going to see what's going to happen next. Who knows what's going to take place? Yeah, but this was great. If I, uh, if I'm right, you'll see me come with five Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, guys, uh, you, you know where to find Patrick. You know where to find Valuetainment. They got amazing stuff going on. By then, 18 months from now, they'll have the comedy club. They'll have everything. So it's going to be awesome. But uh, if you like this episode, make sure you subscribe. And we'll see you on the next one. So this dude walks up and says, are you legit? I see these other videos made about you. And is it a scam? Is it real? And I'm like, bro, I've never lost money in real estate ever. Just like with haters, you mentioned that like, people saying is grant a scam, this or that. I have even had people tell me you need to watch yourself. Grant's not in your core values and uh -huh. different things. I'm kind of going on this path that you've already blazed.